0: Please enjoy over 150 episodes hosted by Pat Hazel with a stable of creative guests in our listening lounge at creativityandcaptivity.fun. This is Creativity and Captivity, and I'm Pat Hazel. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Academy Award-nominated producer Paylin Chow, whose animated feature Over the Moon appears on Netflix. We discussed the mid-autumn festival and the fabled moon goddess that inspired her film and how much we both miss being transported to new worlds by a good Broadway show. You'll want to stick around for the amazing animated conversation with Palin Chow.
1: That spark of electricity A skipping stone that sets you free You're captive to a mystery The curse of creativity La la
0: la It's been a long time since it, we've chatted yeah. or gone to a Broadway show, which we've done a number of times there are no Broadway shows um, to go to. <laughs> tell me what a Broadway musical does to you when you, when you see a good one. Oh,
1: I mean, when you see a great Broadway show, there's nothing better. I think it transports you to a whole other world and puts you in the Mind and heart of these characters that you root for and invest in and go on a journey, sometimes with unexpected twists and turns and outcomes. It's amazing. And so many aspects um, and layers from the story to the acting to the costume design to the lighting to the orchestra, if you're the musical, the songs. It is a pleasure for all senses.
0: It's also a uniquely American export. I mean, it's done well in other parts of the world, clearly in London and uh, and other places. But it is very uh, American in in its stage craftsmanship. They spend so much time and money and yep. put so much talent in developing. You're wowed by moving scenery, by lighting effects, yeah. by so much. Absolutely. And if there is ever a thing where you can escape, in you know, as an adult, where you can walk into a building. And walk out a little, different. feels like it's in a good Broadway show. Absolutely. When we first met, we had taken a CTI class, which was a commercial theater institute, producers sort of class. I remember we had to fill things out to be accepted yes. to the uh, special producers camp at the uh, Eugene O'Neill Center for the Arts in Waterford, Connecticut. Or yes, yes. So that was really, really fun for me. It was really an unusual thing because I had been sort of self-contained as a producer, yes. working on my own things and four-walling theaters and so forth. And suddenly I was at a place with a, a dozen or more people with a real interest in all of the machinations of production, right? Yeah. Of, yeah. of how to market it. What do we do for merchandise? All of the kinds of crazy stuff people don't think about that a producer does. Yeah, And we were all put in teams, that was a particularly interesting exercise because there were plays and there were musicals that needed to be discussed that were in development that by real people. Yep. And on the outside, we were observing those, but we were assigned to break it all down. And then producers and folks that would have tried to raise the money for it. Wasn't that mm-hmm. something? Like, tell me how, in general, how your experience was, because you were with a different team than I was with.
1: Experience was amazing. You know, I think we were there, what, three days, four days? I don't even remember how many days, but it felt like you had a whole life experience in that contained amount of time. To be with like minded people that had similar passions, you know, I called it theater camp for grown ups because (laughs) that's what it felt like. It felt like camp and just a place you could play and explore and with people that were there to do the same. And the bond I felt with people, they have lasted over the years from really an experience where we were only together for a very, very short number of days. So I think that speaks a lot to that program and what having common passions can do when people like right. that come and together. And the
0: passions and the curiosity. And there's a learning curve that regardless of what business you're in, sometimes there's a Algonquin round table, you know, of that particular subculture. And when you're all speaking the same vernacular and you're all saying, I had that problem or I overcame it this way, I guess it's like playing tennis with people better than you, right? Your game is going to, it's going to improve. There's no (laughs) way for it not to. I think we're living in a world at the moment where people have a tendency to try to take the other person out, discredit them Mm -hmm. or create a problem. To make themselves better. And the truth is, if you just improve yourself, if you work your craft, if you do that, you will be bulletproof. You will be something that people cannot. Yeah. It's undeniable that you have talent. It's really I sort know. of a tragic time in our lives right now.
1: There's room for everyone. There's room for all great ideas and creativity. Yeah. And my passion.
0: philosophy is the pie is plenty big enough for yeah. everybody. If you create something better, there's a demand for better stuff for me. Let's step into a moment there that relates to your own creativity and not so much all the amazing things you're involved with as a producer. But I don't recall, was it called Someday? Was that the musical that you had worked on? Yes, Someday. I was able to listen to the original songs and all of that. And you had quite a composer, right? He had some experience. Was it Memphis or what were the shows? Uh, he
1: wrote oh, Cha- he wrote Chaplin, Chaplin uh, right? Broadway.
0: Did you co-write the lyrics or did you write the lyrics?
1: I co-wrote the book. We had another collaborator that was the lyricist. Okay, that's what's really interesting
0: is most people don't know that in the construction of a musical, there are three very specific parts, the music, right, the book, which is the story and the dialogue and so forth, and then the lyrics. And all of those people get certain credits, get certain payments based on their contribution, which is what makes a show like Hamilton so crazy, extraordinary is one guy did all those things. I'm wowed by it. The partner I was working with, I I couldn't tell you where the music comes from. I have no idea. I'm good with lyrics and book is my area. This was what I wrote was based on a play I had written. So I knew the characters and I could write the dialogue and so forth. But when we would walk down the street, Larry would tell me to shut up. He'd go, wait a minute. Songs in my head. I go, Oh really? I don't hear anything. He had to race to a piano. And then he would play this unbelievable instrumental thing. And I'd go, whoa. Oh. he goes, yeah, when you're talking on the street, I cannot remember the notes. And I'm like, just so you know, I don't hear anything, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, it's a really awesome yeah. kind of collaboration because he relied on me for the humor and for the characters and so forth. And I relied on him for the music. So, you're birthing a baby that looks a little like both of you, yeah. but... You know, nobody can take full credit.
1: I was just going to say about the songwriting process, I think that composers are magical that way. When I collaborated with Chris, he and I actually just collaborated on Over the Moon, a film for Netflix, Chris Curtis and Margie Duffield. And Helen Park is our songwriting trio that wrote the songs for that. I would say, you know, it's a a full-blown animated musical. There are nine songs in it. And most of them, the melodies were written in five minutes. Came out in, in a whole piece. And sometimes I'll go back and now the film is delivered and done, but I'll go back and listen to like the demos in the early days and amazed by how similar they are to the final version that's in the movie. When he was playing around or, you know, Helen had a musical idea, it comes from somewhere else. It comes through him, it already existed. He's bringing it into the world. And it really feels that way.
0: I really subscribe to that idea that writers, they're not the genesis of it, that they're just taking dictation for the characters. These lives are waiting to be written down in some kind of legacy form. And that your job, which is not easy, is to be the guy who sits at the computer and has the discipline to help them tell their story.
1: On the visual side of it, you know, in animation, Glenn Keane, who's our director on Over the Moon. I mean, he created Ariel, the Beast, Aladdin, Pocahontas, Rapunzel, Tarzan. It's insane the number of things he's done and the characters he's created. And he, he really talks about when he creates these characters, he believes they already exist. As he's drawing them and playing with the shapes or the different aspects of them, suddenly he'll look and there it will be. And he'll be like, oh, there she is. <laughs> wow. You know, wow. Like, like it's looking back at him and he recognizes it as if he's seen that character somehow before. So, In
0: addition to amazing. being an amazing illustrator and animator and so forth, he directed the Over the Moon, correct?
1: He did. He directed Over the Moon. It's his um feature directorial debut.
0: But can you tell us, particularly because I know you tell um global stories, right? You tell stories yeah. where... There's an Eastern influence and where there's great attention to detail and authenticity to that and kind of research. So will you just tell me a little bit about it and then how that enters into it? Like, does this come from a pre-existing fable or some place?
1: Yes, it does. Okay. The timing of our conversation today is very timely because Over the Moon is inspired by the story of a Chinese moon goddess named Tonga. Every year, there is a holiday, the Mid-Autumn Festival, where she is celebrated and revered. You know, in China, she's actually more famous than Santa Claus. Every child grows up knowing the legend of this goddess that lives on the moon. It's a national holiday, you know, nationally time off. And in the Chinese space program, their rover, they call it the Chang'e. So it's integrated very deeply into the culture. The Mid Autumn Moon Festival is October 1st. And it's like a Thanksgiving type celebration in China. Families travel, gather together, have mooncakes out on the lawn or somewhere outdoors and gaze up on the moon. And children look for Tanga on the moon and her pet jade rabbit. And I grew up with this legend. And when I was little, I did that with my family. And every year I swore I could see that rabbit, like it was there. <laughs> I really believed it. Our story over the moon is actually a tale set in modern day about a little girl named Fei-Fei who decides that she uh, is going to build her own rocket to go to the moon to try and prove that this moon goddess really exists.
0: Well, when I saw the trailer, Fei-Fei is, I, I love that it's also an empowering story where she's a strong female lead with a big vision. Uh, fighting a little bit probably against cultural norm of what you would expect from a little girl. Is that right?
1: Yes. I mean, she she has big dreams for sure. And they are not to be a doctor or lawyer. They are <laughs> to build a rocket and and go to the moon. But she's going for a very compelling emotional reason because she's going to try and save her family. Fei Fei actually grew up with her mom always telling her this legend of Tonga on the moon, and to her, the story really symbolizes love that lasts forever because the story of the moon goddess is she actually floated to the moon, she became separated from Ho Yi, the love of her life. But even though she and him are separated, she waits up there on the moon for him forever. and so it's this beautiful, kind of sweeping love story, and so. Feifei Fei gets it in her mind that Tonga is the symbol of eternal love. So when her mother sadly passes away and she learns her father's oh. going to remarry, she is not having anything of it. And she really believes that since Tonga is the symbol of eternal love, if she can prove to her father Tonga really exists, right. then her father will not remarry and she will be oh. able to have everything go back to the way it was. So that's actually why she's going to the moon. You know, she's top of her class. She loves science. She's a STEM kid. And she really, really believes that if she just does the work and puts in the time, she can build a rocket and she can really, really get there. That's how much determination she has.
0: But I think that there's a real importance that believing is such a critical part of any kind of uh, goal setting. Because a lot of people say, oh, one day I'm going to this, one day I'm going to do that. The intention isn't locked in. I always tell people, A goal is a dream with a deadline. Like you got to set a time because otherwise you're talking about writing a screenplay all your life and telling people these wild ideas one day I'm gonna. And today's the day, like I set my clock for now, sit down and get to work, you know? Well, that's cool. And I think the moon itself is symbolic of so much, you know, it's certainly romantic in the context of that story, but it is the one thing when we look up, we share with people in other parts of the world. We're looking at a common object and also the fact that it's illuminated. I I guess one time I wrote a a kind of a poem, a sort of thing, if a moon could be in love with a fish. And similarly, what's interesting is that at night is when it was evident where the refracted light would go into the water. Like there was a connection, but it wasn't there at all times.
1: Oh, I was just going to share. There's actually a Chinese saying that we thought about a lot in the making of this film, which is even though we are thousands of miles apart, we share the same moon. And this notion of families coming together and communities coming together and the world coming together, all kind of centered on the moon.
0: Can you tell me, when you started working on this project, was it always Netflix-based?
1: This film is a co-production between Pearl Studio and Netflix. It was always uh, intended to be on Netflix around the globe. However, in China, it will be playing in theaters. But I think what what I'm most excited about actually is the film being on the Netflix platform because it just is so widely accessible. One of the reasons I love animation so much, first of all, targeted for children, families, where people's mindsets are maybe not so set yet and, and ingrained, but secondly, these children and families can watch it in their own native language. Particularly on Netflix, it is dubbed in, I don't even know how many languages it is. It's insane all over the globe. We have our title song, anthemic song in the film is called Rocket to the Moon. Over this past week, I heard it in like 18 different languages because it's been released all around the world. And it's really, really amazing.
0: I heard some of that. I heard, I don't know how many languages you yeah. put a clip on Facebook or something. And oh, I was, you saw that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I was like, Wow. You know, I didn't even think about that, the idea. It is very important for people to hear stories in their native language. I had a brother that translated uh, Bible stories and other things to a strange, like a language called Ivinki or something, and he said that one of the biggest reasons that he did it was that those people didn't have hope. If they were reading a Russian Bible, they assumed it was a Russian god. And therefore, if the story was told in their tongue, that gave them the hope just as it is with different ethnicities and doll companies and all of that kind of thing. It's so important and critical that people be represented in their stories. And you've been involved in so many other animated projects, Kung Fu Panda 3 and Abominable. They have a cultural significance. And I'm interested in the research or when you talk to the animators or when you bring something to it, you know, there's always a sense of what time, when did this happen in time, but also where it's happening. How much are you involved in the costume selection or the background or how they're holding their chopsticks or whatever?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say that it's definitely a very collaborative group effort. You know, it takes hundreds of people to make these films and I feel so blessed and lucky to be collaborating with so many creative geniuses. Um, When you talk about the costume, for example, Chang'e moon goddess costumes in Over the Moon were designed by Guo Pei. Pe is China's most renowned um, haute couture designer. You may know her as uh, the woman that designed Rihanna's yellow gown for the Met Gala. <laughs> uh, what's amazing about her is that she obviously knows the culture deeply and, and completely at the same time. She is part of the modern day fashion scene and world. And when it came to Tanga, we wanted something that obviously was gonna honor the Chinese culture and the original legend, but we wanted to bring a fresh and modern take and sensibility to it. And so Guo was the perfect person that really was able to do that. I was involved in tracking her down and like convincing her to join our little show and collaboration of Glenn Keane, our director. They really was kind of like a meshing of hearts and minds. Always love to tell the story of the first time they met because Glenn doesn't speak Chinese, Guape doesn't speak English, but they sat in a room and like drew side by side and there was such communication happening. It was like two creative hearts coming together and uh, it was just amazing, amazing how they were able to collaborate. Well,
0: when you think about how, an illustrator and a fashion designer and how things move through them into the pen, right? They did have a common language. And people take for granted what being able to, you don't have to be great at sketching. You just have to be able to make an idea visible. When people storyboard things, I'm not a great artist, but if I draw stick figures and hand it to a storyboard artist, they'll make it something amazing. You can't beat yourself up about it. You just have to Use the different, sometimes verbal is good, sometimes writing or drawing is good. And speaking of that, you have a couple of young sons. Maybe describe what it's like to watch them at play. Like, how does the creativity transfer between when you're hanging out with the boys?
1: Yeah, well, they are very different. Hayden really, his passion is soccer. He really, really loves soccer. He's played um, on elite travel teams for, I think, six, seven years now. And He's played in international tournaments. He's, you know, traveled the world. Bailey, he's very, very passionate about science and STEM. And he's constantly inventing. He's constantly creating. I remember one month he decided he wanted to figure out how to make the best paper airplane. And in terms of velocity and accuracy and, you know, how far it could go. In the course of a month, he made probably, I would say over 200 of them. And, and logged them all faithfully, like what he had done and what the result was and kind of loves that exercise of trial and error and, and discovery from that. At the same time, he's also like very, very deeply passionate about music. He plays the piano and violin, but he, he also loves music composition. And, you know, during the quarantine in spring, he actually wrote a piece called The Confined Mind. And it was inspired by his time in the quarantine. And I was amazed. I was amazed. Uh, because I thought,
0: That's a great title. The, well, the confined, confined Mind.
1: The Confined Mind. <laughs> wow, yeah. that is
0: so advanced. Yeah. It's really amazing.
1: It was really amazing. And the, I'll send you the piece. Please, you know, please, please. But it, it's funny because the piece, it starts kind of in a very regal, stately feeling. And he was explaining to me like, that's like an attempt at, maintaining order sense of order and then it kind of gets like very quiet and contemplative and reflective and then the end of it is just like a complete descent into madness
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's really wow that's really thought out
1: (laughs) So it may be a little worried, like, okay, are you are you struggling with the descent into madness? Like, do we need to talk about something? But <laughs> he he just said that seemed fun and just really the mindset, you know, sometimes you feel like, oh, my gosh, is this going to go on forever? It feels crazy. And that's what he was inspired by.
0: I'll tell you what, we're all experiencing waves of productivity to a crashing energy to what's the point and, yeah. you know. What's next? There isn't anybody at any level of mental health that isn't confused about how to plan down the line, right? So for a kid, that's got to be an awkward thing to think, am I going to go back to school? Will I be with my friends? All of that. Well, if you share it with me, this is all up to you. And I don't know how it works, but with consent, maybe we can share a little piece of it in this um, broadcast, right? Yeah, yeah, I would love that. He will have to give consent because he's the composer. (laughs) And I will, I'll pay the music sync rights. But does he need a Starbucks card or what?
1: I feel like maybe I should need to get him an agent, Pat. You're-
0: well, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> we, we let us hear it before you sign him on to BMI or something. Um, no, that I, I really—that's so awesome that it's happening right there in your backyard, yeah. right? And you were in New York City, and then when you were involved with DreamWorks Animation, you went to—you were in Shanghai for a period of time, yes, right? Correct. For how many years? For were you two years. Yeah. Okay.
1: We moved there in August of 2015, and um, before we officially moved there, we actually went for like what's called a looksee trip, just to check it out and see if we could see ourselves living there. And so they went. I of course waited till something awesome happened. We had had this amazing meal. We were having ice cream, we having a oh. carnival. It was so fun. And I was like, "You guys want to move here?" They're like, "Yeah, yeah." <laughs> and so. <laughs> you're a
0: very good salesperson. You, you knew exactly when to close the deal. <laughs> well, it will be with them forever. I always think that travel and adventure and all of that is as important as anything else. Learning is about understanding your place in the world and how to express yourself and how to be an advocate for yourself. And the boys, the family was yes. with you.
1: Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah. yeah, no, it was definitely an experience in going to a totally different Culture where you had zero friends, literally, you didn't know anybody. It was a brand new place to live. It was a brand new school. They were five and eight at the time. So, really, a good age. It was an experience where they really initially knew what it felt like to truly be outsiders and to kind of walk into something where everybody else is already part of a group and to learn how to navigate that and, and integrate into that. That's, to me, such a valuable life experience. They grew to love it there so much, it was actually hard to leave. They didn't want to leave behind their friends. The amazing thing is Shanghai is such an international city that many families we met were expat families from other parts around the world. And so we kind of left there with friends all around the world. So it's it's an experience that will stay with us for a really, really long time.
0: My two sons, when I was a touring Comedian and performing arts centers, doing theaters and so forth. And this was pre kindergarten. I made a very big point in the days we would go to zoos and aquariums, we'd go to the park, we'd do all that great stuff. But they, we'd go back to the hotel and they would go to bed and then I would go do the show. So they weren't really aware that I had a job. So when they got to be in kindergarten or first grade, there was an assignment to say, What does your dad do for a living? They were supposed to interview one of their parents and tell what they did. And then maybe if your dad was a doctor, you'd come in with a white lab coat and your stethoscope on and talk about whatever. So he came to me, he said, mom says to talk to you because what you do is more interesting. And I said, oh, what would I do? And he goes, well, I know this, you go on vacation a lot because <laughs> they assume that I was still going to aquariums and all of that in the daytime when I was gone. That, 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 so- then we talked about it and I said, well, you've been there, you know, you've been, you've been backstage and you've been at the theaters. They run around in the seats and all that stuff. So he writes yeah. his report and it was the most beautiful report about what his dad does. And here's what it was. There's this great room where my dad works and you can eat all the candy and drink all the sodas you want, whatever. And it's called the green room, right? Because it's the place he was he was sitting in there, and nobody was watching him. And he down. Totally. He was down. He was just insane with Cokes and whatever, right?
1: That's amazing. And then
0: his last line was, my dad's funny. He'll make you laugh if you want him to. That was the sticking the dismount moment.
1: Amazing.
0: You know, it's funny. Now my kids are uh, 18 and 20, and wow. they are the heir parents to the sarcasm fortune of- <laughs> We don't have a lot of money, but they're funny guys. And uh, and somewhere along the line, they just started saying stuff like, Dad, you're not using this. and You're paying for this. If you talk about this, what I'm doing now, you have to pay. Like, Oh,
1: that's hilarious. Yeah. They're business-minded as well. Well, they want no I know, uh, Because you shared your son's short film with me. That's also very talented storytellers and, and filmmakers. It's amazing. Yeah, it's
0: really interesting. That was an assignment for film school. And he, uh, it was pandemic time, right? So it was online learning and they still had to do the exercises and you couldn't, he couldn't yeah. go outside and cast. So he wrote it around his brother and I being the cast. And he just says, be available yeah. tomorrow, do this, put on a pair of pajamas, whatever it was. It was yeah. really, really interesting to let him be the director, you know, not to micromanage. Yeah. And I will say this, once he showed me his abilities, we started making some other stuff where he. Oh, yeah. shooting with his iPhone. I, I hired him to be the cameraman on a couple of corporate things that we had to do without to be responsible and socially. We couldn't really, you know, we could maybe occasionally use a neighbor, but we would have to shoot them at a distance. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it was very interesting challenge. And yeah. and I find what some people think is they feel like they're restricted in their creativity when boundaries get put up. Mm. But for me, Boundaries help the riddle, right? It The clarity of, right? Oh, if you yeah. have...
1: Creativity absolutely needs boundaries. But absolutely. everybody thinks
0: like, oh, if I yeah. had all the money in the world, and if I had all of this in the world, then I could do it. It's like, no, you have to be able to pack into a box this size with this, whatever, for this project, yeah. here's the rules. Can't use this language. You've got to do yeah. this thing. So what ends up happening, those yeah. boundaries really help a tremendous amount. You can sort of mask out things that are in the way. There's a couple of things before we go. Typically, I ask all the guests to come up with some kind of a creative boost or a challenge for the listener that might help them jumpstart. In your case, maybe you could share uh, something about storytelling or something because you're constantly talking to folks about that kind of thing about what makes a good story or something of that nature. Is there, is that bring anything to mind for you?
1: Like advice or a challenge or like a...
0: I would say let's shoot for the challenge. Something to put on their to-do, to-do list this week.
1: Okay. So I would say if you are looking to tell a story, no matter what medium, theater, film, television, um, it all starts with a great idea. What is the story that stems from that idea? And I think sometimes it can seem daunting, to write an entire screenplay or to write an entire play. But for most of my projects, it literally starts with one sentence and one page. So my challenge would be take your idea, write a log line, which is a one sentence summary of your idea, and then fill out the rest of the page with what you think the story is gonna be, what are the main characters and what is the theme? What are you trying to say? How about that?
0: That's awesome. Here's the thing people sometimes think the theme is space or this thing, but it's not. It's more like a universal theme, like in poetry, like love lasts forever, whatever that kind of thematic thing, because oftentimes it's the barometer that you go back and check your story against.
1: Yes. Everybody can write one page, right? It's just one page. And I think the other thing that I always share is sometimes people write and they go, it's horrible. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. And I think like, if you don't have anything you don't have anything to react to you don't have anything to improve upon because you know far more than me pat writing is rewriting and that's how it gets done so
0: i always tell people put some clay on the potter's wheel yes. you put it there you start moving it around you do you don't know if it's going to be a lamp or a vase yeah. or whatever who yeah. cares but you feel it you start to see it you start to form a thing and then you go oh this needs handles or this needs whatever right but you if you don't go through that play process it stops, right. it literally stops by the judgment yeah. hat. So, hey, I know we have to take off, but I wanna talk about a really amazing event you and I both were at, uh, which was really creative. And that's why I bring it up. The the wedding of the century. <laughs> uh, we had a mutual friend yes. and we went, we drove from New York to, I was in the back seat in the <laughs> sitting on the hump while her husband drove and we went to New Jersey and I'm telling you, it was more than a storybook wedding. It was sort of, there were so many things. It was amazing. But th- there was the upside down, the inverted umbrellas with the sushi in it. Yeah. And the, I mean, we just kept looking at each other and going, what, what else could happen? Yeah. Right? Yeah. On the dance floor, there were push carts of donuts coming around. Yeah. And, yeah. and when we went to the ballet at the end and we were stuffed and we had been drinking, whatever, it's like, oh, there's a... A little campfire and s'mores are being handed to us as we get in the car. We're like, we can't take it. <laughs> we, 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 music, like they had rewritten or or had some version of Hamilton as she was coming down the aisle. Yeah. It was such a, it was such a cool, amazing, thing. And I think part of that is having creative friends that want they want to live a story that can be told. Uh, I think that may have been the last time I saw you. Right? Was that that wedding? I think it was. Wow. Anyway, I, I just thought that was a. a a super fun experience that I remember. Yes. Yeah. yeah, And
1: Celebration of really privilege and pleasure to be there.
0: Well, it has been my privilege and pleasure to talk with you in this context with listeners nonetheless, but I think the world of you and I I wish you continued success. Thank you so much for, on behalf of my producer, Amanda Rosenberg and myself, this has been creativity and captivity with my guest, Palin Chow.
1: Thank you so much. so much. Thank you so much, Pat. Thank you for having me. Always wonderful to chat with you.
0: Well, at this point, it feels very appropriate that we play off the show with Palin's son, Bailey Almaraz's composition of Confined Mind. Listening. Take a moment to subscribe and you will always have an invitation to join us for more creative conversations that offer a spark of inspiration. Our show is produced by Sweetwood Creative under Wizbang producer Amanda Rosenberg with editing by soundsmith Casey Franco. Our original music theme was written and sung by Maya Sharp. Please feel free to reach out with your input or to share a review through social media on Instagram at Pat Hazel with two L's or visit our website at CreativityandCaptivity.fun. That's right. It's dot fun because dot com is not fun. Cheers.